If you've always wondered how successful organizations reinvent their people and work strategy, then you've come to the right podcast. I'm Esther Martinez, CEO and Editor-in-Chief at People Matters. Join me as I talk to some of the biggest names in HR and business in the Asia-Pacific region, here on People Matters Unplugged. The role of CHROs has evolved, and we've seen that accelerated even more in today's unconventional times. In a diverse continent like Asia, the evolution is happening parallel to another trend, which is the rise of diverse and high-skilled talent pools. And what we're going to be discussing today in People Matters Unplugged is some of the aspects of talent management in Asia that remain to be explored or developed, and how can HR really ride in that momentum? So today, we have the privilege to have Rajeshwar Tripathi, CHRO of the automotive and farm sectors at Mahindra & Mahindra. Rajeshwar offers a unique international perspective. He is passionate about people and building those different backgrounds into one culture that delivers. Very warm welcome, Rajeshwar. Welcome to People Matters Unplugged. How are you feeling today? Oh, great. It's uh, uh, no two days are the same in our lives, as you say, right? in the lives of CHRO. So, one of those days, a new day, and new challenges. Great. So we're going to get started. What do you think is the secret to rise of Asia as a powerhouse of skill talent? If I was to pinpoint one thing, I think it's it's all about growth. The kind of growth which which we are seeing, uh, both what is being uh, what is happening, and also in terms of the potential going forward. I think this entire sentiment about that the real growth is now going to be in Asia okay is also related to you know the potential going forward it's not only the current state so that is one the second I believe uh, is uh, very unique to Asia and I think that is what is going to make a lot of difference is uh, we have a, a relatively a very young population uh, our demographics the demographics in many ways becomes your strength as long as you know there is growth, otherwise it acts vice versa. Right now, it's in our favor, hugely in our favor. And when I say demographics, it has all the elements to it. So one is young, uh, young population. The second is diverse population. You know all the advantages which which get into having a very diverse workforce. There is a huge aspiration to grow, right? Uh, there is a uh, there is a big hunger to do well in life. Uh, it's it's growth in every sense at an individual level, institution level, and that's how uh, I'm looking at it. And of course, one one another important thing I like to point out is the kind of opportunities which the Asian economies are throwing up. Uh, I won't call it only job opportunities because that's a little bit of a myopic view to growth. It's opportunities all across. Look at the uh, look at the startup culture. Look at the entrepreneurship. The zeal for entrepreneurship. Uh, which is which is emerging all across. I think these are the things which I would say are have been pretty unique, and it's going to remain so at least in the near foreseeable future. Great, thank you so much uh, for sharing that. And and from your vantage point as a 
as a CHRO in, in this geography, which business and talent trends do you think in the region um, are having the greatest influence in the way we, we look at leadership and specifically your own style of leadership? In terms of the expectations from CHRO, now I would rather say expectations instead of saying that there's been a dramatic shift in the role, etc. Uh, it's the expectations which have changed. And I will categorize the drivers for that change in, in two buckets. The first is what has happened in the marketplace and in the business. And what has been happening is nothing short of the disruptions which we used to read in our case studies in the in the B schools. Uh, you name anything, any any format of disruption, and it's out there in the open. Uh, whether it is normally we talk of three kinds of disruptions. The first is technology, and that that doesn't have to be explained. We know what has happened to the technology and and this entire digitization, right? Uh, the second is the business model, and I think that has had a very major impact on the expectations from from CHRO. Um, there are, of course, other things, for example, war for talent. It has been like never before, never seen before. You look at the last two years churn, churn in the workforce. People call it the great year of attrition. I see the great year of churn, right? Attrition is pretty transactional. But what is really happening at the, at the ground is totally different. It's aspirations, it's opportunities, it's churn. It's, it's all kinds of disruptions which are coming into play. And... One another thing which has happened is this entire focus on ESG, right? This has also had a major impact on the expectations from, from any CHRO. Um, because all the three elements, whether it's environment, whether it is the social aspects, and whether it's governance, everything is has come into very strong focus. And for any organization to ignore any one of these pillars. I don't think it's even possible. So this was on the business side. Let me come to the second bucket, which is, I would call it the talent trends, right? The people trends or talent trends, however we want to uh, classify. I think there is nothing short of description. Look at the fungibility, the mobility of talent. I remember four years back or three, even three years back, right? Just before pandemic, pre-pandemic. Our 70 to 80% of our hiring used to happen from within industry. And it has undergone such a big change. Uh, more than 50%, uh, I don't have the exact data, but at least more than 50% is now coming of our talent is coming from outside of the industry. It's a sweeping change. Uh, three years back, someone would have come and told me, I would have said it's not possible, but that's what it has happened. Uh, look at the premium on diversity, right? Uh, the uh, the kind of, and, and I'm deliberately using the word premium on diversity, right? Because uh, the world has acknowledged that and, and we are waking up to the reality that if we have to leverage untapped potential, we have to leverage the diversity. And the other things also which are coming in play, and I'll be very brief about it, this entire thing about reskilling and upskilling. It has been in play like never before. Human obsolescence, skill obsolescence is a real-time threat if we are not very conscious about it and we, if we don't do something about it. Um, and, and, you know, this entire thing about gig economy, the alternate work models, 
I think these are some of the talent trends also, which has had a significant impact on CHRO's expectations. We love to understand what's your viewpoint on how leaders are shifting people-centric leadership or putting people first. Yeah, good question. Uh, actually, that also uh, sets us thinking that, you know, whether we are really, really leveraging the potential okay, in, it, in its fullest sense. I believe that we have a lot more to do. So, for example, are we willing to take enough risks with people? Um, I think at the genesis, at the at the very core of this entire talent management philosophy, is are we taking enough risks? Now, risk is with people. Here, I am talking with people. It's not risk with capital. My uh, my own experience in this area has been that we are still a little conservative, even as a society. Uh, we have different kinds of hierarchies built in. Uh, the senior, junior, you know, sometimes it is age sometimes if it is gender sometimes it is it can be anything right we are as, as a society we have for very long have had some deeply ingrained belief systems and suddenly one fine morning if you are to go out there and take risks with people and start leveraging to, in order to uh, fire i would say you know put um, or ignite that spark of entrepreneurship it becomes very difficult uh, difficult unless and until you address some of these things. There will always be a tussle, and that's pretty natural. Uh, these changes are not small ones, right? For example, the new generation is entering the workforce. Every year, millions of new graduates, they are coming into the workforce, they're joining the workforce. Their way of looking at things is so dramatically different. And especially in the Indian context, if you look at, you know, in, in the large organizations, the older organizations, right? You have almost four generations working together. We, we talk of every diversity. Very little is spoken about multi-generational diversity. Right? And with when this kind of a scenario is there, every year, huge young population is entering your workforce. There are multiple generations working. This particular piece of change management, uh, what we are discussing right now in this in that context of risk taking with people. Uh, become so much more relevant and, and extremely important. And I think we need to be a little bit more conscious of it, a little bit more, uh, um, I would say, uh, structured in, in going about making this change happen. And when I say structured is the wrong word, actually it's it's culture, right? Uh, we have to work on our culture, on, on work culture, our processes, you know, uh, it's a trend. I, I'm sure it's uh, with, with this approach to change management, it's very much possible. How does your approach to employee experience translate into an, an ability to attract and retain better talent? There, is, there will always be a way of, of driving performance, driving, running the business, uh, uh, running the, your entire processes like performance management system, you know, reward and recognition. You name anything, it everything has to lead to what kind of culture do we want in the organization? The moment leadership team is clear about it, the how part of it, the culture is, I believe, how part of it, then things start happening. And what we have experienced, and especially uh, my own experience has been that when the leaders, uh, uh, when the leaders have been able to demonstrate uh, by, by living it, Right, uh, then the chances and the likelihood of such culture transformation are far, far higher. 
the second point is and i believe it's very very important that is people should be able to relate to it right that um, in in very in very uh, common terms we call it you know what's in it for me so when people start asking this question what's in it for me people should be very easily uh, and in a very simple manner relate to it that why is this very very important and the moment people are able to relate to it they started they start doing it the third point i want to highlight here is that at the core of any uh, any culture transformation or driving a particular culture is also uh, you know the um how do i say is it's the behaviors right the behaviors drive culture so uh, which behaviors are you rewarding uh, who who are the people you are, you are hiring who are the people you are promoting who are the people you are rewarding uh this is a big big message and big, and that's that's what starts driving behaviors right so it's far more easier to shape culture or to drive culture change through behaviors rather than uh rather than doing lot of communication and 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 posters etc those things are important optics are very very important i'm not undermining that but at the at the core should be you know how do we change behaviors of people there is another uh, thing i want to uh, highlight here is that in my experience many times you know we we start believing that culture change is about changing people i don't think that's possible i don't think that's uh, that's a right approach even uh, it's the behaviors that we can mold we can't change the people and people are very unique they will be very diverse there will be very different thought processes right the, which they bring to the table no two individuals will be same then what are we talking of we are talking about molding behaviors not changing people so that i thought is a is a very important uh, aspect of when when you are discussing or even driving a culture transformation the future of business really is about our ability to upskill and reskill our people how do you instill that love for learning i think the entire space of capability building and learning has moved away from a pure lnd approach so that's one point which i would like to highlight right in the beginning now let me get into into why am i saying so right uh, this space of capability building has really evolved if if, if there was one domain area uh, you know in 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 hr field which has really really seen a huge disruption i will not even say evolution is this entire piece of capability building because it happens at two levels right one is we we build capabilities in the organization as an institution as an organization i am now referring to you know at the individual level which is the second bucket and what has changed and what has really made this the shift happen are two three things one is i think the one of the biggest things is this entire digital world right look at the uh, the availability of information the speed and the content both whether it is social media whether it is internet you know it's available it's available there is a huge democratization which has happened right it's available to everybody by a click and it's all there so what has now really started mattering is whose responsibility is learning learning onus of learning is on the individual secondly learning is now uh the effectiveness of learning depends on your ability to prioritize if if i have access to 1000 things or 1 million things 
at a click of the button, I need to be very clear what, what exactly do I have to learn. The third thing which has in my mind, which has changed quite dramatically is the way of learning. Uh, and that I think has has really changed the this entire space. So some learning comes through exposure, some learning comes through experience, some learning could come through reading, clearly you know acquiring the knowledge, and some learning could even come through you know observing. Right. So and and it goes on. The list goes on. But the point I want to make is that what and how when it comes to the to the learning space and that's the reason i'm saying that we have moved far away from the traditional lnd concept you know one thing which digitization the digitized world has done is it has democratized the knowledge part largely barring you know few few niche areas and few ip areas etc leave that aside but largely you know the the information and the knowledge is available to everyone and and more, very often, you know, just by click of button or, or you have to just uh, Google it and, and search it and it's all there. Uh, so that that is one part which has which has changed dramatically. Uh, but I think uh, that had happened quite some time back. It's not a very recent phenomenon. But what has happened in the recent times is that we are all uh, we are all stretched for time, right? And and the time has become the most precious resource. So we have that limited time. And therefore, what has now started becoming a big ticket item here is that what is my priority? So your question is largely related to the digitized, digitized uh, way of learning or what impact the digitization has made. I would say uh, it has really stretched and it has challenged people's ability to prioritize. And when I say people, it includes the organization as well. You look at uh, our uh, learning platforms, you look at our LXPs, or you look at our websites, I would say they are highly cluttered, very highly cluttered. Even if there are drop downs, even if there are search engines, you know, to, to help people in retrieving what they want. But even then, uh, the challenge remains on how do we keep it simple? Uh, how do we keep it highly prioritized? And I think that will determine going forward the organizations who are able to do this well going forward. They will, they are the ones who will be the most successful and effective in, in being a learning organization and creating meaningful learning opportunities for people. What do you think the role of HR is going to be in the future? And it'd be awesome if you can be specific with some examples where you think HR can be more influential when it comes to corporate results and corporate decision making. You know, HR being seen as a as a as a business, uh, you know, as a business support function to business partnering is uh, is more than the semantics, right? And and why do I say that? Uh, our ability to uh, to sit with with CEO or to work with CEOs and CXOs uh, to to execute the business strategy is now becoming extremely important. In fact, it's, it's one of the core functions of HR now. And look at the shift which has happened, right? And again, at the cost of repetition, I'm, 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 I want to just re-emphasize that earlier it was more towards supporting. 
right earlier it was more towards providing the right tools and and you know access to uh, to uh, to resources etc but from there it has shifted to working with the business to execute the business strategies and i think this one thing has changed multi many 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 other dimensions so it's not only about understanding the business it's also doing business right it's uh, it's like i have to know that what the business needs at what stage and how and where do i get it so whether it is uh, whether it is the talent uh, whether it is the the right processes uh, for example what kind of pms i need to have even the performance management system uh, cannot be the same for, for for different phases of the business a, a business which is more like a startup or it's in or in its very early incubation state will need a very different kind of a performance management system a very matured business will need a very different kind of a pms system same is about the other processes like reward and retention what works for a small business will not work for a large business or what works for a very mature business will not be enough for a startup kind of a business so end of the day what it is boiling down to is that it's not only understanding business but it's also our ability to to work with the business to execute all these strategies in a meaningful way and very importantly to shape all policies processes and the hr resources tools etc in which is aligned with the with the business strategy did you enjoy today's episode of people matters unplugged don't forget to subscribe to our unplugged series on apple podcast google podcast and spotify wherever you are in your hr leadership journey people matters is here to empower you to become the answer